Pastor Skip sends his love. You don't get to see him like we do, but he loves serving you every week. He's a faithful man. But he's with uh, his wife, Lenya May, caring for her with a seasonal cold and out of precaution. We have a treat for you. We have someone all the way from Clarksville, Tennessee, a man that I've dreamed of doing ministry with, wonderful man of God, Kevin Miller in the pulpit. Let's give him a Calvary welcome. Calvary Church, how are we today? Only that good, huh? Come on, you doing okay today? Good, I'm glad you're here. I want to remind you, well, I, I just got to say how happy I am to be here. I always love coming back to Albuquerque. Um, here's how happy I am today. I am a green chili bacon breakfast burrito and two shots of espresso happy to be here today. That's how happy I am. So I'm, uh, I'm really glad that you're here. I came to bring you a reminder today that no matter who's in the White House, I believe it's God's house that changes lives. Amen? And so regardless of what happens in our nation and around our world, we have always a reason to rejoice. And so I believe that God has brought me here for a purpose this weekend, and I believe God has you here for a purpose this weekend. So if you're in the auditorium with us, if you are enjoying the beautiful weather out in the amphitheater, if you're tuning in online or on radio or wherever you're watching this, we are honored to have you, and I believe that God wants to speak something specific to your life today. Um, in fact, I felt like what the Lord wanted me to bring today was the opposite of what we all have right now. How many of you are tired of a bunch of bad news? Come on. I came to bring the good news. Anybody ready for some good news today? I just came to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to know how much God loves you. I want you to know that he's got a plan for your life that you wouldn't believe it if somebody told you. I want you to know that no matter who you've been or what you've done or how far you've run, God loves you and he's, you've never gone too far to be forgiven. Amen? That's the, that's the message of the gospel I want to share with you today. And what we're going to do today is focus on one verse of the Bible. Which, by the way, I've learned so much from our pastor, Pastor Skip. I mean, how amazing is it that we get to sit under the teaching and the ministry of Pastor Skip, who has taught us so much, and I, I always love how, I mean, he can do a, an entire sermon series based on a few words in God's Word. He's, he's just amazingly gifted. Can we put our hands together and thank God for Pastor Skip and the leadership team here? We love it. So I'm going, to, I'm going to focus in on one verse of the Bible today, arguably the most famous verse in all of Scripture. Out of 31,102 verses, this is probably the verse that you possibly know the best, even if you've never read the Bible, John 3, verse 16. So if you brought a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there, and I'm hoping that today, even if you're familiar with this verse, you see it and hear it in a fresh perspective, that God gives you something new to think about today from John 3, verse 16. I'll quote it, uh, and if, if you know it, say it along with me. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. Come on, that's good news. Amen? So I want to share a message with you today from John 3.16 that I'm calling, For All the Whosoever's. If you're like me, you grew up in church, uh, and, and this is one, probably one of the first verses you memorized. And I remember uh, growing up here in Albuquerque, memorizing this verse, and we memorized it in the Old King James. And so it had the word whosoever in there. And I, I don't know what it is about that word, but I love it. And so I just felt like today we need to be reminded that everybody can find themselves in, in this verse. Now, what's interesting about John 3.16 is that even if you didn't grow up in church, even if you've never read the Bible, there's a good chance you've heard about John 3.16 or know something about it. Uh, if you're a wrestling fan, you've probably heard of Austin 3.16. Well, this is John 3.16, totally different. Or maybe you've seen uh, John 3.16 inscribed on the bottom of In-N-Out Burger Cups. Thank God for In-N-Out Burger. Maybe one day they'll come to Albuquerque. You never know. The rumors have always been floating around. Or um, maybe you've seen John 3.16 in pop culture. Uh, back in 2009, Tim Tebow wrote John 3.16 on his eye black as he played the, the national championship game. And I found out as people from around the world watched that game that that day after they saw John 3.16 on his eye black, John 3.16 was Googled over 90 million times as they, as they watched that. That's amazing, right? And so people were wondering, what's this John 3.16 all about? And they reached out and thankfully for, for Google, a lot of people read about the good news of the gospel. So a lot of people know about John 3.16, but I, I guess what I need to remind us all today is that just because something is well known doesn't mean it's well understood. And so I believe there's so much value in us regularly circle, circling back to something like this that is such a pivotal, succinct uh, summary of the gospel. I think it's so great for us to regularly circle back to it and remind ourselves of the great things God has done and is doing on our behalf. And, and so, especially for those of you who are already followers of Jesus, listen closely. I hope today that you're not tempted to tune me out because you're thinking, well, John 3.16, that's for all the people who don't yet know Jesus. Now listen, I've found it so beneficial in the years that I've followed the Lord to regularly preach the gospel to myself. Because listen, the good news of Jesus Christ isn't only for people who don't yet know Jesus. For those of us who know Jesus, we need to be regularly reminded of what God saved us from and what God saved us for. So even if you're a follower of Jesus, this message is just as much for you as it is for somebody else. So don't tune this out. But also, the second group of people, if you don't know Jesus, this message is definitely for you as well. Because you are in this verse, and I hope to share with you today how you have hope in the name of Jesus alone. And at the end of this message, I want you to know that I'm going to give you an invitation. I'm going to invite you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about giving your life to a pastor or a church. I'm talking about giving your life to Jesus who died to save you. So re regardless of which group you're in, and by the way, you're in one or the other, you're either a follower of Jesus or you're not. Somebody's like, oh, I'm not ready to decide. Well, then you've already decided. 
We're all in one camp or the other. So whichever one you're in, listen up, tune in. God has something for you. This message, the message of the gospel is for all the whosoevers. Now, quick backstory on this text. If you're not aware, John chapter 3 is a, a, a conversation that Jesus had with a Jewish religious leader, a Pharisee in his day known as Nicodemus. Nicodemus, interesting story about him is he was very intrigued by the life and ministry of Jesus. Now, for the Pharisees, Jesus was the enemy. They viewed him as a, as a big problem to uh, the, the developing crowd that was growing and following the Pharisees because Jesus, many of them, were attracted away from the Pharisees to follow Jesus. And so they viewed him as the enemy, but Nicodemus was intrigued. He knew something special. He knew that Jesus was something special and that God had, God's hand was on his life. And so under the cover of darkness one night, Nicodemus was able to set up a meeting with Jesus. And he had this conversation that most of it is recorded in John chapter 3. And verse 16, the most, probably the f- most famous verse in all of the Bible, is a short, succinct summary of the gospel message, arguably one of the best summaries of the gospel that we're, that we're going to look at today. So whoever you are, this good news is for you. I'm going to give you four thoughts from John 3.16. Would you write these down? I hope you're going to take notes. Number one, I think this will help you. Write this down. God is the definition and initiator of love. He He is defined by love, and he initiates love. Now, I think sometimes, unfortunately, when it comes to our relationship with God, we tend to treat it kind of like the conditional love or, or liking that we have toward one another. Like, for instance, we, we think oftentimes that we have to earn God's love or God's favor or God's grace, almost like if you're a waiter or a waitress, you may feel the pressure to earn a tip from somebody at the table that you're waiting. Like you gotta, you got to go over and above. you got to really make sure the service is top-notch so that the tip meter goes up a little bit, Right? So that they're willing to give you a little bit more. And unfortunately, we as humans, we have this tendency to carry over. That's human love, by the way. Human love is, is resistant to give of itself until there's a reason. And what I love about God is that is the opposite way of the way that God works. He's not waiting for us to earn something from him. God is not only the definition but he is the initiator of love. Now, why do I say he's the definition of love? Well, because 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. Love is not just like an emotion that God feels. It is his definition. It's, not, it's, it's even beyond something that God does. It's actually who God is. And, and I love this so much about God. Because, again, he's not waiting for us to try to earn something from him. He's not waiting for us to be lovable, but God is the one who initiates love toward us. He is defined by it, and he loves us. So I guess maybe if if you get nothing out of anything that I say today, get this. Jesus loves you. Come on, hear it loud and clear. This is the best news because our world, in the middle of all of the bad news that we have, we need to be reminded of the best news that God sees you, he loves you, And he will forgive you of anything you've ever done. That's good news. Amen? 
Come on, seven people thought that was good news. That's good news. God loves you. God loves me. This is something worthy of getting excited about. And, and so we have to be reminded that God is the definition of love, and he's the initiator of love. And long before you and I ever even felt lovable, God was madly in love with you already. I mean, look at how John 3.16 starts. For God so loved the world. Nothing that we did to earn or deserve. God just started loving. Number two, here's a second thought for you if you'll jot this down. God's love for us led to his sacrifice for us. Because God loved, he had to do something about it. Now, this is challenging for us in a world that is often overwhelmingly sad. I imagine you've felt this similar feeling that, that I've experienced before where there's, you just see sadness everywhere and you just don't know that there's much that we can do about it, you know? You're reading tragic headlines and news stories and your Facebook feed is filled with all kinds of problems and there's all kinds of issues and sadness in our world. So sometimes you just want to like turn on the TV and just zone out for a little while and then escape from the news and then that's where all the news is, right? On the TV. And so inevitably as you're flipping channels, you're going to run into one of those like sad dog adoption commercials. You know what I'm talking about? Sarah McLaughlin, Arms of the Angels, playing in the background. And you're like, even the puppies are sad, right? Like, there's sadness everywhere. And normally the puppies make me happy. And even the puppies are sad. And we got to adopt all the puppies. And there's nothing I can do. And it just feels overwhelming. And so unfortunately, because there's sadness everywhere, and we're so limited in our resources, at the end of the day, oftentimes I just get to this place where I'm like, I don't have anything left to give. All I can really do is just feel bad for people. And the reality is that people don't really need us just feeling bad for them. They, they need an answer. They need some direction. They need something tangible for God to do in their lives. And oftentimes we just don't Know, know what to do. We don't even oftentimes have the capacity to do anything. And so I guess another, so, uh, a very important part of the good news that I came to deliver to you today is that God does not just feel bad for us in our sin, but he acts on our behalf. That he has, unlike us, he has all of the resources needed to do something about the sadness and the pain and the hurt and the challenges that we face. God is not just in heaven like nodding his head like I can't believe what's going on. And man, I wish there was something I could do. That's not the God that we serve. The Bible says when John got a peek into heaven and he wrote, wrote it down in the book of Revelation, he talked about God who was seated on the throne. Our God is not nervously pacing heaven trying to figure out what he's going to do about all of the things that are spiraling out of control on earth. He is actively engaged, fully in control, and he's not just feeling bad, he's acting on it. This is good news. This is why it says, for God so loved the world. It doesn't say God felt so bad for the world. He loved the world, and so because of that, he acted on it. Love drove 
his sacrifice. It empowered it. It compelled him to do something. God loved, and so he gave. And think about what he gave. Our Heavenly Father gave his only son to die on behalf of undeserving sinners like you and I. I'm a dad of three kids. And I don't know about you parents, but I have a really hard time wrapping my head around a love that would sacrifice my only son for someone who did not deserve him. And yet, that's the love our God has for us. That's good news. We have to be reminded in the middle of all of the crazy things that we deal with as a nation in in our culture, that we have a God who saw us in our sin and believed that we were worth the blood of his own son. And so this is what makes the news of Romans 5.8 so powerful. Uh, again, another of my favorite verses in, in the New Testament. Romans 5.8, Paul writing to the Christians in Rome, he says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Did you catch that? We had not done anything worthy of receiving God's love. And Jesus looked at you and I in our addiction, in our pain, in our struggle, in our sin, in our rebellion. And he looked at you and he said, you are to die for. And then he spread his arms on the cross and he proved it. Come on, this is the gospel, the good news. You know gospel means good news, right? The best news, by the way. This isn't just some good news. I was on, I was on, uh, I think, Google News the other day, and it was like, do you need some good news? In the middle of all the bad news, here, here's some good articles. And it was like, nothing that I really needed, you know? I'm here to share, in the middle of all the bad news, the best news. The best news is that while you are still a sinner, Christ saw you as valuable and worthy of his death. So so listen, I think that, again, that's an important message for you to hear because right now in the middle of a global pandemic, quarantine, social distance, maybe for you a loss of a job or working from home at least, you feel isolated, lonely, depressed. I know people are struggling with suicide and depression at unprecedented rates. And maybe you're in a season of life right now, maybe you're joining us online right now, and you're questioning Am I even that valuable? What if I were to end it all? Should I even be around? These thoughts are swirling through more people's minds these days than ever before. Can I tell you that the value of something is based on, you can can understand the value of something based on what someone is willing to pay for it. And if Jesus saw you and said you were worth his life, I would say if you ever doubt your value, look at the cross of Jesus Christ because you were worth the ultimate sacrifice. Good news, amen? Good news. And so because God loved us, it led to his sacrifice for us. Here's the third thought. Would you write this down? God's invitation is wide, but the entrance is narrow. Did you notice in John 3.16, who can be saved? I told you it's the title of the message. It's for all the whosoevers. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever. Who's included in that? Uh, Everybody. Nobody is exempt from this invitation. I'm talking every rage, age, gender, political agenda, sexual orientation, relationship status, addiction, failure, background, present, future, no matter what you believe about God, if you've read the Bible a hundred times or never cracked it before, this invitation is for you. It's for all the whosoevers, no matter where you've come from, no matter where you're going, no matter who has written you off as a hopeless cause. The invitation is for you. God's invitation is wide. It's for all the whosoevers. So it's, 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 See, and this is the part of the gospel message that our tolerant, all-inclusive culture can swallow. This is the part of the gospel message where, until you get to the second half of John 3.16, everybody can kind of hang with this part. The idea that God loves everybody, the idea that everybody's invited, doesn't that fit in our modern-day, tolerant, all-inclusive culture? This like moral relativism thing that we, that we live with in our culture that says what's true for me isn't necessarily true for you and you just live with what's true for you and I'll live what's, with what's true for me and we won't tell each other what to believe but every, everybody can be friends and we'll all end up in the same place. Which, by the way, is completely illogical. There has to be right and wrong somewhere. Thank God he's given us his word as the standard of right and wrong. But see, this is where our culture doesn't like this. Our culture likes the idea that, every, that God loves everybody, that everybody's invited, but now the controversy comes in in the next part. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, we can hang with that. Here's the controversy. They have to believe in him. And this is where our culture goes, no, 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 don't start telling me what I have to believe. Don't start telling me there's only one way to get to heaven. No, all roads lead to heaven. and there, you, What's right for you is right for you. What's right for me, what's right for me. And this is where the controversy comes in. The idea here is that everyone's invited, but salvation can only take place through God's Son, Jesus Christ. God is very specific about this. Now, here's the logical problem with us being resistant to something that is so narrow and specific like this. Our culture says that they resist things that are narrow-minded. They resist people that are narrow-minded. In fact, if you say that there's only one way of salvation, you'll get called names. One might be a bigot. You'll be called something because you're saying that there's, a, there's, there's something specific, or they'll call you narrow-minded. But, but let's, let me give you a couple examples, because narrow is actually a lot more common and necessary than our culture likes to think. I'll give you a couple examples. How about, let's start with science. You know, science tells us that at sea level, water always boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. You're like, well, I want it to boil at 205 doesn't work that way. 212. 
You're like, well, don't tell me what what temperature water boils at. That's very narrow-minded. Well, that's science, right? Science, to me, in in, in that example and a hundred others, seems kind of narrow-minded. Why can't we just, like, everybody gets to boil water at the the temperature they want to boil water at? What you want to boil water at is okay for you. And what I want to boil water at is okay for me. That's not how it works. Science is very narrow-minded, isn't it? How about you? You grew up learning math. And I imagine one of the first math problems you solved was two plus two. Guess what? It does not equal three. Two plus two always equals four. Not three, not 3.75. Math is a bigot, isn't it? I mean, come on, don't tell me what I have to believe about two plus two. I want to believe what I want to believe on that. No, math is very narrow. It's very specific in its answers. Science, we need it to be very specific. Here's another example. Let's just say, I go, hey, you know what we need after, after service today? I need a green chili chicken stuffed sopapilla. That's what I, come on, amen in the house. Anybody? Okay, there's my New Mexico friends. Somebody just wiped drool off their cheek just now. You'll get there. So imagine if I said, hey, after, after church today, let's go to lunch. Uh, we'll, we'll head down to El Pinto. Yeah, there, there's some more, mm, I got an amen for that one. So, so imagine if I said that and, and you, were like, you were like, great, I'd love to go to El Pinto. Uh, I've never been there. How do I get there? And I, I'm like, well, then we have other questions. Number one, who are you? Number two, how are we still friends? Number three, uh, well, don't worry. Uh, what, what if I told you, don't worry about the directions. Just be a good driver. All roads lead to El Pinto. You would walk away from that and say, I don't think he wants us to go to lunch. Because, <laughs> like, he's, he didn't even tell me how to get there. No, listen, if I actually wanted you to get there, I would be real specific with the directions, wouldn't I? I would say, what you really need is to go to 10,500 4th Street Northwest, Albuquerque, New Mexico, 87114. There's one location, one specific address, and currently, thank you, COVID, there's one door to go through. (laughs) If I want you to get there, I'm going to get real specific with how to tell you to get there. Am I right? So listen, isn't this the same thing that Jesus is doing because he loves us so much? He tells the disciples, listen, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. People get all weird about this. Well, Jesus is so exclusive. No, listen, when Jesus says, I'm the only door to get into heaven, Jesus is not being exclusive. Come on, he's being specific. This is how much God loves us. That not only did he pay the price for our sin, but then he removed the guesswork and told us exactly how to access heaven. And it's only through Jesus. Our culture says that they don't like narrow-minded, but we actually need it. And so thank God that he demonstrated his love by telling us specifically how how to receive eternal life. That you don't have to perish for your sin because Jesus died for it. And you can access eternal life. 
Now, this is where you and I come into this, because so far, it's just like God loving and giving, but the belief part is now, the ball is in your court now. Here's the fourth thought. Would you write this down? Salvation through Jesus, write this down, requires surrender to Jesus. If you're going to be saved by Jesus alone, it will require you surrendering to Jesus alone. Now, I'm about to say something that when I first say it, you're going to want to like pick up a rock and throw it at me. But listen, let it sink in for a minute and I'll explain it. The simple fact alone that Jesus died to pay the price for sin is not enough on its own for your salvation. Now listen, before you're like, this guy's a heretic. Hold on, let me explain. Here's the idea. Of course Jesus' death is enough to pay for your sin. But salvation requires a personal response from every sinner for it to be effectual in your life. Let me put it another way. Just the simple fact that Jesus died, that there is a sacrifice out there that could pay for your sin, is not enough. Because until you surrender to Jesus and accept his sacrifice on your behalf, until you do that, Jesus' death on your behalf is rendered useless in your life. What I'm saying is, it requires a personal decision. What I mean by that is, it's not enough to just sit in a church chair. For a long time and do some good things. It's not enough even to know a lot of Bible verses. It's a great thing, but it's not enough. It's not enough to be around people who know Jesus. It's not enough to grow up in a great Christian family. All of those are great things, but it requires you and me as the individual sinner to say, I recognize Jesus is my Savior. And so there are too many people who have not made a personal decision to surrender their lives to Jesus. And unfortunately, the sacrifice that could pay for their sin is rendered useless because there's no surrender. Now, I'll give you, if, if you're in that camp of you have yet to make a decision to follow Jesus, which again, by the way, at the end of this message, in just a few moments, I'm going to give you a chance to surrender your life to Jesus. I believe it's the most important decision you'll ever make. All of that can change today. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, God can forgive you. There's grace for you today. I'll give you an invitation for that. But maybe up until this point, you have not made that decision because I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you overcomplicated the salvation process. We, we do this all the time as humans, don't we? We take things that are so simple and we make them much harder than they were ever intended to be. Hashtag Ikea, right? No matter what it is, we can take things and oversimplify them. Even something that God designed to be so simple like the gospel. In fact, let me break it down just so that you understand. The gospel is scandalously simple. Literally as easy as three words. A, B, C. I'll explain them to you. A, admit. Admit that you're a sinner. The Bible says, Romans 3.23, that all have sinned. All includes me and you, every one of us. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. 
Did you, somebody's like, well, I'm not that bad of a person. Did you know that the Bible says that if you've broken one part of the law, you're guilty of it all? Well, that kind of condemns all of us, doesn't it? Because we've all done it. I, I guarantee if we went down the list of the Ten Commandments, you might be able to squeak out of a couple of them. But there's at least, you're going to get a failing eight out of ten, most likely, if not all ten out of ten. The Bible says if you've broken one, you're guilty of it all. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. So can we just start by saying the gospel is so simple that all it's saying is just admit that you have a sin problem. B, believe. Believe that Jesus is the only one who can fix it. We just read John 3.16, didn't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Are you willing to admit that you're a sinner and believe on Jesus as your savior? And then Romans 10.9 takes it one step further. It's the word confess. Paul writes to the Romans and he, he says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, in other words, say it, that Jesus is Lord and has been raised from the dead, you will be saved. Not you might be saved, not there's a good chance, but you will be saved. If you'll believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth, come on, the gospel is scandalously simple. Admit that you're a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Savior, and then say it, confess it. Now, I guarantee, as sim- somebody's like, there's no way it's that simple. A, B, C, I can think of a whole bunch of other letters. I need to continue that salvation alphabet right there, right? Because, I mean, A, B, C, that's a good start. But don't forget about D. That stands for dunk. You better get baptized. And E stands for every Sunday church involvement. Everybody knows F and G stands for financial generosity. H stands for heaven is for Republicans. And I stands for you better get involved in church. And J stands for Jesus didn't have tattoos. So you're out and you're out and you're out. Come on, don't we do this? We take something that God said, no, it's scandalously simple. And we go, no, we got to add all this other stuff to it. Stop it. All of that, that doesn't matter. All of that stuff will come. God will, do, God will do all the life change later. Just understand how simple this is. It's scandalously simple. You're a sinner. Jesus is the Savior. Say it and believe it. That's it. That's good news, amen? You don't have to go to seminary to get into heaven. You don't have to read the Bible a hundred times to get to heaven. Now listen, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you put your your faith in Jesus and then kick up your feet and coast for the rest of your life into eternity. I'm not saying that nothing needs to change in your life. I'm certainly not downplaying baptism or financial generosity or every Sunday church attendance. What I am saying is that those are not the things that change you for eternity. It's admitting that you're a sinner, believing in Jesus as your Savior, and confessing that with your mouth and your life. And as you do that, then God will begin all of the other change. Listen, Christian, it is not our job as followers of Jesus to walk around and evaluate the legitimacy of other people's salvation. That's not your job, and that is not my job. Here's here's our job as Christians. Preach the gospel and live the gospel and let God change people's lives. Let him do that. You know what I found? God is way better at being God than I am. Come on. We can collectively take a sigh of relief 
I'm not the Holy Spirit. In fact, you know what? I'm taking the rest of my life off at trying to be God. I'm going to live the gospel. I'm going to preach the gospel. And then I'm going to let God do what only God can do. He's going to change their lives. Not me. It's not a sermon I preach that changes somebody's life. It's God that does the heart change, but he's going to use us in all kinds of different ways in relationships and in our marriage and as we raise kids and in our work ethic. All of that changes as God changes us. Come on, don't overcomplicate this. Salvation through Jesus comes through surrender to Jesus. The ball is in your court. It's a lot of good news, right? Anybody thankful for anything I shared today? God's word. But listen, I shared a lot of good news, but here's the problem. We have a news problem in our day and age. If you're like me, I I access a lot of my news through my smartphone. But there's a problem with that. A lot of the smartphone apps have a feature called infinite scroll. I don't know if you've heard of this. But it's the idea that as long as I scroll, it will endlessly load content. And a good example, you, you may not have even realized this is happening. good example of it, have you ever been on Facebook and have you ever gotten to the bottom of Facebook? Like Facebook ended? You were like, well, I read it all. Never! Because Mark Zuckerberg wants you looking at it constantly. So infinite scroll just keeps, as long as we're scrolling, it's loading content. Constantly loading content. So here's the problem with this. We have a news problem. We, we turn on our news apps and we're scrolling infinitely. And what this conditions us to do, it conditions us into consuming news without responding to news. Right? So think about what you do when you open up your news app. Infinite scroll. We get used to reading it. Oh, a new president. Oh, New Mexico governor. Oh, there's a new lockdown. A mask mandate. Kanye West did what? (laughs) Wow, he made it onto the ballot. Got some votes. I wonder what's for lunch. See what we did there? We, We consumed news and did nothing about any of it. Which is fine if it's literally just the the news from your phone. But the good news, the gospel that I've just shared with you today, requires a response. You cannot hear this good news and do nothing about it. I said it before, but I'll say it again. To not make a decision about Jesus is to make a decision. See, there's all of this action taken by God toward us in this text. God loved, so he gave, so he could save. Now the ball's in your court and in mine. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, that's our part in the gospel story, believing. Are you willing to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do? Save you from an eternity of perishing, and grant you everlasting life. And by the way, when, it, when Jesus uses this word believe, it's not just like this arbitrary, sure, I believe there's a higher power kind of belief. Do you know the book of James says that even the demons have that kind of belief? Even the demons believe in God, and that's, 
They take it a step further than a lot of humans. It says the demons believe and they tremble. A lot of humans don't even do that. So when Jesus said believe, the word he was using means to believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes to the extent of complete trust and reliance should not perish, but have everlasting life. The question for all of us to consider today is, do I believe to the extent of complete trust and reliance on Jesus? Not just do I believe in a higher power, but have I committed my life to Jesus? Not just do I know about Jesus, but do I know Jesus and am I known by Jesus? Are you in a relationship with him? Here in a moment, I'm going to invite you into a relationship with him. And I'm not talking about you surrendering your life to a church. I'm not talking about you surrendering your life to a pastor. I'm talking about you surrendering your life to your Savior, Jesus Christ. The good news of the gospel is no matter how far you've run, no matter what you've done, no matter who they say you are, there is forgiveness and grace in the name of Jesus for anything you've ever done. That's the good news of the gospel. And this message is for all the whosoevers. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Listen, I ask you to do that today so that you can focus right now on you and Jesus. Bowing our heads and closing our eyes is not a way to make a decision in secret. It's a way for us to make a focused decision. You and Jesus. And listen, I told you this already, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you've already made this decision, then come on, Christian, start living like it. And I need you praying with me right now because there's a battle raging for souls. If you don't know Jesus, this is your invitation. I'm going to pray for you right now. But I need you focused on you and Jesus. Not about what somebody else next to you is going to think or say or do. But do you know Jesus? Have you believed in him to the extent of complete trust and reliance? Jesus, we just say how thankful, how grateful we are to be a part of all that you're doing. We're honored that you have called us by your name and that you have, in your grace, allowed us to be a part of your story. God, I pray for every Christian within the hearing of my voice, those joining us online, on the radio, in the amphitheater, in the hub, uh, here in the main auditorium, wherever they are, Lord, we just pray for every follower of Jesus to live like a follower of Jesus, not a weighed down warrior, but a victorious warrior that you've called us to be. God, help us to preach the gospel and live the gospel and let you change people's lives. And God, I pray for anybody today within the hearing of my voice that does not know you. I believe today you brought me here this weekend to change that. It's not me that changes somebody's life. It's you, Holy Spirit. I believe you have been speaking to them today. And they didn't even realize it, but for the last few weeks and months and years, you've been preparing them for this moment right here. A moment of sacrifice and surrender. God, I pray that there would be nothing that holds them back from turning from their sin 
and turning to Jesus as their Savior, to the extent of complete trust and reliance. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to just reiterate, we don't do this for secrecy. We do this for focus. If you don't know Jesus, that needs to change today. Are you willing to admit that you're a sinner and you need a Savior? And I'm, My simple job today is just to introduce you to him. I'm not the Savior. Calvary's not the Savior. There's no human that's a Savior besides Jesus. And so today, if you're joining us online or by radio or you're watching this somewhere and you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, I believe God's speaking to somebody's heart right now as they're tuning in online. Would you let us know in the live chat, wherever you're tuning in from? We would love to know more about you. We want to know your name and how to pray for you. But also, Calvary, if you're, if you're somewhere on this campus today, in the balcony, in the main auditorium here, in the family room, amphitheater, overflow, wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, I'm going to ask you, if you recognize today your need to surrender your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to make a bold statement by lifting up your hand. And as you lift up your hand, I'm not asking you to confess all your sin. I'm just saying, by lifting your hand, you're just saying, I recognize I'm a sinner and I need Jesus to save me. He's the only way to heaven and today I put my faith in him. I see you right over here on the side. Praise God for that. Once you've lifted your hand, you can put it back down. Is there anybody else today? I see you back there in the back, praise God. All the way in the back. I see two hands, full surrender, I love it. So good, right up here in the front, on the aisle. Maybe again, you're joining us online or in the amphitheater, maybe you're somewhere where I can't see you. God sees you, he knows you, he knows your name, he knows your story, he knows your struggle. And here's the best part, he knows your future. He sees you forgiven. Is there anybody else today just by lifting your hand? Here in a moment, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And then I'm going to encourage you as we close this, our time together today, I'm going to encourage you at the end to come forward if you're here with us on campus and talk to someone from our decision team. We'll keep a safe distance as needed and you want to be mindful of that. But I just want to remind you, you not only need God in your life, you need God's people in your life. Don't do this in isolation today. Is there anybody else who just by lifting your hands saying, I'm ready to follow Jesus? The gospel is scandalously simple. If you're joining us online, you can text SAVED to 505-509-5433. Let us know that you're making the decision today or click on the Know God button at calvarynm.church. I want to lead you in a prayer right now if you're making a decision to follow Jesus. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say this out loud, and I'm going to ask everybody here to say this out loud, including those who are making this decision today, but also everybody else. And here's why. Two things are going to happen when we say this together. Number one, you get some training on how to lead somebody in a faith decision today. And number two, you vocally stand with those who are making this decision right now. We want to remind those hands that went up today that they are not alone in this journey. Amen, church? We're with them. We're inviting them into the family. So come on, let's all say this out loud together. If you're in a room by yourself joining us online, or if you're here on campus with us, wherever you are, let's say this out loud. Say, Jesus, 
Today I choose to follow you. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And Jesus, you are my savior. Thank you for dying for me and resurrecting. Now fill me with your spirit. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. I think we got a reason to celebrate. Come on, put those hands together. Like you're excited that somebody's eternal destination just changed today, and you got to be a part of it. That's great news. Hey, we're excited for you. Listen, I said this again. I I said this before, but let me just remind you. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, and you're online, you tell us about it. If you're on campus Would you please let us know? Come meet with one of our decision team members uh, after service is over here in just a moment. We want to make sure that you know you are not alone in this journey. We want to pray for you and resource you. We we want to invite you in. We want to welcome you into the family of God. And we could not be more happy for you in this new decision. So come on, let's stand to our feet and close with the song, Jesus is Alive and Still Changing Lives. Amen? Come on, let's sing it. We hope you enjoyed this special service from Calvary Church. We'd love to know how this message impacted you. Email us at mystory@calvarynm.church. And just a reminder, you can support this ministry with a financial gift at calvarynm.church. Thank you for joining us for this teaching from Calvary Church.